Welcome back to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. I am still completely swept up in Force Awakens fever. I've seen the movie three times at this point, and I've been recording conversations with people along the way as I, as I view the movie over and over. So the second time I saw the movie was with my parents when they were in town, and I was lucky enough to convince them to sit down with me and podcast about The Force Awakens. It was a cool thing to, to get to sit down and chat with them on the record. It's also nice to go back and listen to a conversation with my parents. That's something I now have forever where I can always go back and, you know, hear what we sounded like the moment after we saw The Force Awakens. Right after the movie ended, we hopped in an Uber and headed home, and I wouldn't let them tell me what they thought of the movie at all until we got home and I could get the mics rolling. But our Uber driver picked us up from the movie theater and he started talking about Force Awakens and it took all of our self-control to to not engage and to wait until we got home. But yeah, I got that conversation for you coming up in just a second. And I have uh, a couple of other opinions about The Force Awakens to bring you in this episode. So I'll tell you about that when we get there. But for now, here are my mom and dad, Susan and Michael Plack, talking about The Force Awakens. I think he, the storyline went exactly the way the storyline should have gone. Yeah. The other three movies were too off base and too create your own reality and... The prequels, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And this was just really Star Wars the way Star Wars should be. Did you guys see the originals when they came out? Yes. What was your experience with that when they came out? I loved them. What about you, Dad? Well, I saw the first Star Wars um, in a theater, um, I guess in the late 70s. Huh? What do you yeah, 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I loved it. I was ecstatic by, about it. It was just a great story, very energizing and exciting. And, um, and I was thinking about that when I was, was watching this one tonight because it hit hit the emotions i was thinking i don't know what you know level that was on if you were give, giving a grade level to that but it was very simple open warm emotions it gave me everything i wanted to see and feel yeah and it was also a reunion with old friends yeah i heard you uh i heard you kind of exclaim when the millennium falcon showed up and then when han solo showed up exactly yeah. what i was going to say you know i saw the millennium falcon and i was thinking you know it's very different seeing it with you in the theater because if you weren't there, I'd be having a conversation with you in my head saying, yeah. hey, Jesse, man, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mom, mom, like, reached over and pinched me when Han Solo showed up. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty – yeah. I I didn't look at anything about the movie in advance, so I didn't know who was going to be in it. I didn't know really? – Yeah, I didn't look at any of that stuff. Did you not know that – no, I didn't know oh any of them God. were coming back. Oh, that's so cool. I no, know, I did the same thing. Yeah. Really? And oh, we, yeah. I'm so jealous. Which I can't even we... imagine that moment if you didn't know that Han Solo was going to be in the movie. Yeah, Holy I mean, shit. Gee, I, yeah. just, I just, you know, was so excited just to see the ship, not to, not to, <laughs> yeah. not to mention him and... Um, and Chewie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Chewie, but also, you know, 
And then, of course, after you get over that, then you start to see, you know, you see C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah, and Princess Leia. Yeah. yeah. And Grandma Leia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. did a really good job of kind of layering in the old characters. Mm-hmm. Of course, the last shot of the movie being Luke finally mm-hmm. showing up, who doesn't mm-hmm. even say a word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just looks kind of majestic in his mm-hmm. crazy 80s hair. Yeah. Yeah, he looks a little crazy. I was kind of glad he didn't really say anything because i'm not really sure you know when i saw him it kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit really and i started thinking about his whole personal history and how you know what has he done besides star wars so he's actually uh really highly regarded in the nerd community because Hmm. he voiced the joker in the batman animated series yeah and actually kind of made the joker his own so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who consider Mark Hamill to be just as high up there as like Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger as far as portraying the Joker on screen, even though he's never been physically seen as the Joker. Remember the Batman animated series that I watched yeah. as a kid? Yeah, he was oh, the yeah. Joker in that show. Huh, I didn't know that. So he's definitely made a huge name for himself as a voice actor, and he's done tons and tons right. of voice acting. Right. But on, as far as on screen, nothing that even comes close to mm-hmm. Star Wars. I mean, he is just Luke Skywalker. And to me... Like, no one else could be Luke Skywalker. So seeing Luke Skywalker show up, it almost makes it better that he hasn't done anything else because he's just Luke to me. He's yeah. not He's not Mark Hamill. He's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> well, Luke. that's true. That's true that he really... I mean, in my mind, he hasn't really done anything else. Yeah. Except for that. And I kept... There were a couple of times during the movie when I looked at it and went, oh, there's a sequel. Oh, here's another sequel. Yeah, totally. And that last scene was like, okay, now here's the next movie. Yeah. Um, this, that was my second time seeing it, and I, after the first time, I refused to tell you guys what I thought of it because mm-hmm. I was honestly like I didn't even know I was still processing it. I knew I liked it, but I didn't know if I loved it because I'm so confused by the prequels. Still, I mean, the first time I saw the episode one, uh, that's the day that like you took me out of school with all my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, you remember Jeff L. Hodge? Uh huh. He just uh, hit me up on Facebook the other day and said, "Hey." I like with the new movie coming out. It reminded me of that day that we ditched school to go see The Force Awakens with, or to go see uh, The Phantom Menace with your mom. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah. I went with you when the rest of the family went. Yeah, you. Yeah. we went, the four of us, with Grandpa. Right. Uh, like two or three days later. Mm-hmm. Right. And I loved it the first time. Or or I, I told myself I loved it the first time. Well, you told us too. And so yeah. when I saw Jar Jar Binks, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, and yeah. You, you quit. You didn't watch the second, the next two prequels as no, far as I, I know. I was done. I yeah. was done. Which is probably a wise decision. Well, I mean, this was, you know, because, well, you know, that killed it for me. But yeah. um, I thought, you know, they're, they're, they're trying too hard. They're not really, you know, they're not really in the story anymore. They're, they're, they're making a product rather than telling the story. And, mm. but, uh, you know, that's been resolved. As, yeah. As well, that's now. why, yeah, I think that's why this feels like it's so good because... Right. They brought in, I mean, the cafe scene and, you know, it's like they brought in so many things that were in the original movies that kind of resided in the original movies that made you feel like this was real. This was a real next step in the story. Totally. As opposed to the prequels, which were just a completely different This was just, you know, it's great that it came out this time of year because it's really just like going home for the holidays and seeing (laughs) all the old family again. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. It really feels, you get that warm feeling. So the first time I saw it, like that's what I got from it. It's like, wow, it was just great to be there. But uh, the rest of it was kind of a 
almost a blur Mm -hmm. because I was just so like in the moment of seeing Han Solo on screen that it it just being there with the new characters was really hard for me. Well, the other thing is that you know so much about Star Wars and you're so invested in it, so deeply invested in it, that it probably would blow your mind uh, trying to put it all into perspective. Whereas someone like me just going and seeing it, you know, I, I just saw it as a story. Yeah, I don't have that investment in Star Wars, right. and so for me it was great just to watch the story, and it kept my attention. I was entertained throughout the entire thing, and it didn't have it could have been anything, it didn't have to be Star Wars. It was so well done, so so all the transitions were so smooth, the story arc maintained throughout the char- you know, It's it's all about strong characters and getting inside the characters, and the 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 arc of the story is I think secondary to the the characters because. Totally. They are, they're so well done and you're so like, you know, very Spielbergian getting in so close and into their experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, seeing it the second time, that's more what I got from it is I got to see the whole picture better. And I, I had had some issues with it the first time that like 99% of them were wiped clean the second viewing where I just, I loved it so much. And it really felt right the whole way through. And I have like the tiniest little nitpicks about it the one thing that still bothered me the second time is that the end of the fight between kylo ren and ray there's this chasm that opens in the earth to mm-hmm. separate them so that she can't kill him mm-hmm. that really bothers me because that's just such a like how do that's we how do we sequel how do we have her win the fight and then have him live that's the what they came up with well maybe and that frustrates me maybe he'll come back as obi-wan kenobi, kenobi. Yeah. Well, yeah i'm sure he's gonna i'm sure they'll have a sequel and he'll come back yeah the yeah well, definitely thing, the one thing that um the Uber driver said about the new characters to him really being meaningless or he didn't yeah. feel like they brought very much to the movie. Yeah. I thought he was completely wrong. I agree. To- yeah. The- so right after the movie, I told you guys you weren't allowed to talk about it because mm-hmm. I wanted to get here and record mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. And the Uber driver on the way home, had- yeah, he said that. He's like, yeah, the new characters didn't bring anything to the table. Yeah. And I totally disagreed with him. It was like, I really, really liked the new, the the couple. I think that they're their interaction, their relationship, how they were working together towards this goal, I think really added a lot to it. So, you know, let's see, 77, so it's almost 40 years ago Yeah. that the original one came up. So we've all, we've, you know, ours, ours was the first generation to see it. You guys weren't around then. We've aged with the characters. Right. And now the new generation is coming in. So it really mirrors li- our lives as well. Yeah. And it's beautifully done. Yeah, the whole, the heart of the movie is the relationship between Han Solo and his son, Kylo Ren. Like, Mm -hmm. the second viewing, that's what really, really got me. Because I knew where it was going, uh, and I knew that Han Solo was going to die. And it made every moment that he was, because every time you bring up his son, he gets really pensive. And then it, it all all that emotion just explodes out of him when he sees his son at the end. Right. And even when his son is killing him, he's just he loves him so much that he, he can't He strokes his face. Oh, that's my love. favorite moment yeah. of the yeah. whole mm-hmm. movie. Right. And it's weird to say that like Han Solo's mm-hmm. death is my favorite moment of the movie, but they nailed it. I mean, it's so powerful. And yeah, that's that stroke of the face is just so perfect. Uh and I when when Kylo Ren took his mask off for the first time, I heard you say, Oh, it's Adam Driver, who you know from from gr- watching girls, right? Right. Yeah. What did you think of him in this movie? I liked him way better than in Girls. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did a I think he did a much better job and he was a much more real character and I was pretty shocked when he 
killed Han Solo. I was like, okay, you you did that? I can't believe you did that. Yeah, well, you yeah. know, dad's easy to sucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, what's, what's your reaction to Han Solo dying? Like, how do you... Well, my first reaction was, okay, you know, Han Solo, he's already in his mid-70s. He's not going to be around for another generation, so it's perfectly reasonable to... to and, and, and probably, you know, who knows what went on in the background. Yeah. With, I'm really contractually, unhappy. You're you know, unhappy? Yeah. You know that this was the last time he was going to show up. Yeah, I mean, what had been kind of said to the fans was that, like, we're making a new trilogy with the original cast. So, to me, that means there's going to be a new trilogy with all three of those actors, you know. Um, we're going to have Han, Luke, and Leia for three more movies. So, but I also knew that in Return of the Jedi, Harrison Ford had asked George Lucas to kill Han Solo because he felt like that needed to happen to close out his character's story arc that Han Solo mm. needs to sacrifice himself. So, when it happened, it felt right to me like it felt like something that had i i mean i honestly think that it should have happened in return of the jedi i think that it would have made for a better movie because return of the jedi is my least favorite of the original trilogy like least favorite of my three favorite movies so you know i still of course i love it but but in a way it's great that it didn't happen then because it just adds so much emotional depth to this one um but you're you're unhappy about it you're bummed about it well, I'm sad that he's not going to be back and that he's dead. And I was thinking about ways to bring him back after that. You know, really? <laughs> he falls into the void and I don't know, maybe somebody catches him or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, you know, I It did blow up love... the entire planet that he fell into the void of. Yeah, so. I know. I love Harrison Ford. I think he's an amazing actor. He just yeah. brings so much character to everything that he does. Yeah. You've so. always liked Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the first R-rated movie I ever saw in the theaters was, I think, Air Force One. Hmm. Or maybe it, maybe it was, uh, no, that was the second one. It was... You got to see an R-rated movie? Who let you do that? I think Midge took me. <laughs> me and Leah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Where? In in Pittsburgh, I think. Really? Mm. Yeah. I hope, I hope I didn't make all this up. No, well, I think you might be right. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, getting back to Adam Driver, you know, yeah. I, I, I thought his acting... And girls was really right on. Yeah, I mean, his his chops are pretty strong. Um, I, I you know I wasn't a big fan of of the show. I didn't didn't watch past the first six or seven episodes. Yeah, but uh, I you know his I was very impressed with his acting. So he seemed to fit into this role pretty well. Of course, you know the old story of you have to suspend disbelief. To enjoy a film, yeah. So I, I I found it very easy to do in this, although you know my my rational brain kept saying, well that couldn't happen, that couldn't happen, that couldn't happen, and yeah. this couldn't happen, and they couldn't always be alone, and just just the you know the main characters in every scene, and they would all show up together in that whole thing. Yeah, it didn't matter because it wasn't about that. It was about the enjoyment of, it was about a very similar feeling to me from that I would get as a kid watching my favorite superhero shows. Which was the George Reeves Superman? Well, right? Superman and 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 Mighty Mouse were the two, and yeah. then there was Zorro, who was human and always mm-hmm. won out and things like that. Yeah, back in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, and that sort of serialized storytelling is what Star Wars was inspired by, like most notably Buck Rogers, when George Lucas created this. Interesting. Yeah. Then there was uh, when I was even younger, there was a show called Captain Video. Yeah, you were telling me about that and, yesterday. And the two main characters basically were sitting on cots made of erector sets, and yeah. and it was and it was you know old, really early, very early black and white TV. Yeah. Uh, and as I recall, 
I don't know, it was probably kinescope, not live. Maybe live, I don't know, but I think it was kinescope. You know, and it didn't matter because we were kids and, you know, what we did was we recreated we recreated their set in our living room with couches and moved things around and, and we were flying. Yeah. You know, it didn't take much. You know, the imagination takes over and then you go ahead and do it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what the original trilogy did for me was set up a world where my imagination filled in all of the empty spaces. And this movie does that so well. And I, I, I don't think I've seen a movie do it so well since maybe Empire Strikes Back, which is crazy. Like the fact that they did it is astonishing. The fact that J.J. Abrams was able to pull this off is astonishing. And it's already, it's the fastest movie to a billion dollars. It's crossed every threshold so far that it's been able to. And the next stop is going to be like the biggest movie of all time. Um, and I've I've never experienced anything like this in my lifetime where there was this much hype about something and then it actually lived up to it. And upon second viewing, I'm wondering if maybe even exceeded my expectations well, of what this movie could be. Well, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. and one of the, you know, one of the driving forces, I think, at the very beginning, when the first time we saw the movie was the whole idea of the force. Yeah. Because, there, you know, those weren't really in the spiritual days, or I guess they were... Getting sure kind were. of into into the whole spiritual thing, but yeah. well, I really, I am, I am younger. I really thought that um, y'all are a bunch of hippies. <laughs> yeah, I really thought that they did that really well. And looking at her awakening, yeah, with the force, and I, I like the fact that they really had that still be a major portion of the storyline and what was going on with the movie. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, there was kind of a fake out in the promotional materials because they showed Finn holding a lightsaber in the promos, but I don't think you ever saw Rey hold a lightsaber. So I kind of went into this under the impression that Finn was going to be the new Jedi mm-hmm. and then it ended up being Rey, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. And Rey was amazing. I mean, she's yeah. a really solid character. Yeah. And the fact that Han Solo kind of gives her his seal of approval is so brilliant. It just really sets her up for success as far she as being accepted by the fans. Doing, yeah. yeah, yeah, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> there was so much great humor in this movie. There's so many little yeah. subtle moments yeah. that were oh, so yeah. fantastic. Like, um, not, like, like life and death is not really happening around them. It's just, oh, yeah, let's throw off a couple of quickies. Totally, yeah, which was, what I again, what I loved about the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I some of the criticism I've read, because as soon as I saw the movie for the first time, I just hit the internet really hard and started reading everything. A lot of people are saying that it's too much like A New Hope, the first Star Wars movie that it is basically a remake. And I disagree with that. I think that it's an emotional remake, but not, I mean, there are like story similarities, of course, but it's supposed to be similar. It's a, it's a serial, you know, it's a serial storytelling style. So of course it's gonna be similar. Well, I think after the prequel, it needed to be a remake because exactly. people were so yeah. upset by exactly. the fact that the first three movies, the, the last three, first three movies really did not make any sense. And right. were really a completely different kind of a world. And they weren't emotionally satisfying at mm-hmm. all. So it kind of needed to be yeah. in that vein. That it's like they I needed to prove they could do it. And the yeah. second time, all, all I saw were the new things. Like that, I went to it the first time just wanting to see the old characters, mm-hmm. but then really falling in love with everything about the movie. And the second time, just really enjoying the newness of it and the things that were different. And there's so many. I mean, there's so many great new ideas well, in this movie. It's a passing of the sword from one generation to the next. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we need to go watch it. And, and then. You yeah. know, as far as cereals are concerned, it is in a way, but this one is gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> so it won't upset my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but the integration of the generations is brilliant. Yeah. And seamless, mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. 
the arc of the entire movie was getting to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. That was the whole thing. And when you got there, you know, it's funny, because I didn't know what to expect. And I thought, you know, going up towards, you know, the, the summit, and then we see the figure up there. I actually said to mom, I said, geez, I hope that's not Yoda. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, really? I heard you laughing. I didn't know what you'd mm-hmm. said. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, and then, of course, it's Luke. I, sh- I mean, I, I, I should have known it was Luke. Obviously, that's, that was the goal. Yeah. And they achieved the goal. He did something with his face at the end that reminded me of one of Yoda's facial expressions. Like, he does, does this really subtle thing that I'm like, wow, that reminds me of Yoda. And I couldn't quite put my finger yeah, on it. Yeah, actually, you know, his acting chops have gotten better since the first movie because yeah. he, he, he expressed so much emotion yeah. with just his look. And, 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 and you could see him going through a transition towards the future. And obviously, you know, the next two are going to involve him a bit more. Yeah, he lost a ton of weight to get in shape for this movie and even more so since then now like at the force awakens premiere he looks sharp he looks really good and i think he's better he's in fighting shape now like i cannot wait to see the next movie to see yeah, what he, he looks pretty bad in some of the movies he did after star wars yeah mm-hmm. really really bad yeah i mean he had more of a head more had a face and body for radio which which made you know a lot of sense for him doing Voiceover, but now yeah. he's back to back in form yeah because you know in empire strikes back in particular he was ripped i mean he looked really really good and it's cool to see him kind of get back in that back in that luke skywalker frame one of the things i really liked about the ending is it was the one of the most beautiful places it was like i want to go there yeah it's in ireland it's a real place it's so it cool yeah wow yeah wow with all those steps going up i believe so that's amazing yeah yeah. Well, we, well, we've been to similar you know, places with similar majesty in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Cliffs of Moher. Cliffs of we Moore. may have to go back. Yeah. The so other who, thing I wanted to yeah, yeah. bring up is that the CGI is so much better. Yeah. It's yeah. so. I mean, I was impressed. They did a really good combination of CGI and practical effects. Like there was a lot of, uh, you know, real creatures walking around, mm-hmm. and BB-8 was real. Like they actually built a robot that moves like that, mm. which is incredible. And if, there's a couple shots where BB-8 is CGI, I think, but. Um, like to my eye, he looked CGI a couple of times. No, I understand I, why he's been. That was such a, you know such a, a big toy for Christmas. I really yeah. want the BB-8 Sphero. Yeah, really want. the one that you control that, with your iPhone. The, 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 the machines really are so you know they they express emotion so beautifully just by the the way they cock their head or yeah. they turn or they do double takes and you know they they are you know speaking volumes without without any kind of words that anyone could understand it's just brilliant yeah i never thought they'd ever have a droid upstage r2d2 that's incredible but bb8 was amazing the whole movie who did you guys think was ray's parents did you think about that at all yes i yeah i was i was feeling like she's got to be one of them i was expecting her parents to be han or leia or luke yeah you know, I one thought of she would them. have been a descendant of Obi Wan Kenobi because she she had that yeah you know, she she That's awoke to the light too. inside of her. Interesting. She, she she took on the mantle for the next generation. Yeah, her discovery of her Force ability in this movie was part of it that I really loved. Where yeah. she doesn't know what the Force is, and then she encounters it with Kylo Ren, kind of using it against her, and that's the first time she really manifested in herself because she encounters it for the first time when right. she touches the lightsaber it triggered mm-hmm. her it yeah triggered, it, it triggered her it opens her, her to something that's already inside of herself exactly and that's that's why but that's what everybody loves about it about these movies because it's about us 
It's about the light inside of us that we connect with because those yeah. feelings are real and they touch a real part of us. Yeah. It's, and also the dark inside of us. And then the fear of having one of your children turn out in a way that you don't want them to. I mean, I, I can't say enough of how much I love that story arc of Han and, and Ben Solo. Cause when he shouts, Ben went to Kylo Ren and you realize that he's named his son after Obi-Wan Kenobi this is so powerful. It's so cool. And just realizing like, there's just so much truth in their relationship that and it's a terrible truth. But also, it's horrible. You know, there's a hint of it because because earlier in the movie he starts feeling it inside of himself. Yeah, and so that ties in, you know, briefly. And they're going to try to pull it out of him, and so but that sets the audience up to believe that that's what's going to happen. Right, and the opposite occurs. Right. And I never thought for a second that Han Solo, as soon as they start setting the charges and he splits up with Chewie, I knew in my gut that Han Solo was about to die. And the second time I realized that it's the moment when he says, I'll meet you back here. I think that's the moment where I'm like, oh, he's never coming back. Because <laughs> you never say that in a movie like this. I'll meet you right back here you're, and go right. off alone. You're going to yeah. die. Right. I, that, I think I think that Alec Guinness, um, you know, as Obi-Wan Kenobi, like he makes a plan, he goes off on his own on the Death Star and he never comes back. And it really emotionally echoes that moment. And I picked up on the fact that this movie was kind of a, an emotional remake so that your mentor figure is going to die. So I knew he was going to die. And that whole interchange just became more like powerful because of that. But they played it. They played both sides of it really well, where you thought for a second, maybe Kylo Ren could turn back. Um, they played both sides really well, I think. But then Han also somehow injured... Ben. Well, Chewie shot him with his bowcaster. Oh, it was Chewie that yeah. shot him. Okay. And then Chewie goes on a rampage. As soon as okay. he, yeah, Chewie did. As soon as he saw that he was shot, he, he went into action. Yeah. Chewie was so great in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, are we hungry? Are we ready for dinner? We're starving. Yeah. We're Mom's getting fidgety hungry. over there. Yeah. I'm enjoying the conversation. Actually. Yeah. This is what I do in my free time now. This is fun, right? Yeah. Well, the other thing is that I've, you know, I've heard a couple, I've heard, I guess, all of your podcasts. So, I'm primed to be in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> you've, mm -hmm. you've studied. You're ready. I just, you know, I got the feel of it. So, yeah. you know, and I, now I know what it's like to be on this side of the mic. Yeah. Usually there's more whiskey involved. We have time. Get yeah. it out. <laughs> <laughs> Food first. Food first. Whiskey later. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. So there you go. That's my parents right after my second viewing of The Force Awakens, their first viewing fun family event. The next part of this podcast is a special treat for you. So last week, one of my absolute best friends in the universe, Barton McGuire, was in town. Barton was on the show back on episodes five and six, I believe, talking about his solo project, The Great Pacific Garbage Vortex, and also talking about Jurassic Park. So while he was in town, I made a point of making sure he came by to podcast with me. He's got a new solo project. It's super, super cool. And we did an entire episode about that, which I'm going to bring to you sometime in the next couple of weeks. But while he was here, I also had the chance to sit down with Barton and Dan DeRosier, the, the great Dan DeRosier, who I've been trying to get on the show ever since the very beginning of the show, but we just keep having all these weird problems and scheduling issues and then my apartment flooding and all these strange things happening so we could just never get him in the room. But I finally got him here and we ended up recording a whole podcast with the three of us about our band Mugatu. We were an active band for three years. Uh, we're not active anymore just because Barton moved to New Zealand, but we are working on finishing our last album that will come out sometime in the future. But we had the really awesome opportunity to sit down and talk about the entire history of our band 
uh, from start to finish. I'll bring that to you within the next couple weeks as well. But of course, while they were here, I had to ask them what they thought of The Force Awakens. My third viewing of The Force Awakens was with these two guys, along with several other of our friends. Dan organized what he calls a mm-hmm, the man-meat hooch and movie party, where we eat a lot of meat, we drink a lot of hooch, and we watch a movie. And only men are allowed. It's super, super fun. We had a total blast. And almost everyone fell asleep during the movie, which we're going to talk about. But I stayed awake, and I had such a great time. Third viewing, probably even better than the first or second. It just gets better. It's a gift that keeps on giving every time I see it. I love it a little more than the time before. All right, so here's Dan DeRozier and Bart McGuire. What did you guys think of Force Awakens? It was good. I liked it. I liked it the second time when I slept through all the parts that I... <laughs> like, Because it was good. Like, you get it, you get it, yeah... You watch it the first time and you're like, oh, cool Millennium Falcon reveal. Oh, cool CP3, C3PO reveal. And it's all good in the in that first viewing. And then in the second one, I was just like, mm, I just you know, fell asleep and woke well, that up. That was from all the meat and, and mead. But, I, mean. but, but I woke up at, when like C3PO came in and I was like, nah, I can sleep for another 15 before the real good stuff kicks in. There is yeah. something about sleeping through, because I also slept through it the second time around. We did it together. <laughs> Um, I was but, the only one who was awake. For, no, for Mike, Michael viewing. stayed awake. <laughs> Mike stayed true. awake. But no, there's something about sleeping through it that actually, it sounds crazy, but makes me feel good about it. Because Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy, like, let's be clear, these movies, these are wonderful movies. They're meant for a great number of reviewings. And that those include reviewings where, like, you start them up, like, kind of late, and then you fall asleep. Because they're not... <laughs> It's not about the plot or like wondering what's going to happen anymore. It's sort of about a movie that makes you feel good. And it's about, it's not even a, it's the, the style and the fun of it. Like Star Wars never was a fucking gourmet meal that like you like freak out about and like Dude, write home about. Star, it's, Star Wars is like the Olive fuck Garden. Are you, talking you know what about? I mean? It's not, it's not like. Well, but if you You're love Olive Garden, it's something that you love, no, but, but I'm that saying, is but like, comfortable. It's like comfort food of movies. Jesse is about to die. I'm like, my face is just turning it's like, like bright red. It's, <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Check it out. I think like, 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 uh, the prequels are Chef Boyardee. Oh, right? granted. And then the original trilogy is Olive Garden. It's like, it's much better. God, I wouldn't so say So I would be, than, I do love Olive Garden, so I'm not that upset by this. Because Olive Garden, I can have like, all the soup and salad that I can eat. Th- this episode is sponsored by Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically not by Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. Right. In theaters now. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think Olive Garden counts, because I think it's way more like idiosyncratic and personal than that. Like, it's not, like, so, so generic. Like a Fuddruckers? It, like, it is. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, like, your favorite dive. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's it's there because you love it's it. It's the and, old comic and it's before weird. they redid it. And, like, the, the original Star Wars movies, I don't know. I've been reading these reviews about Force Awakens, and people are like, well, if you look at it, if you actually, like, think about the writing here and the direction here or the way this is done, like, it's not actually a good movie. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, the original Star Wars, they weren't good movies in the way that we like think the revenant is probably a good movie you know what i mean it's it's not like like the writing was the storytelling was really enchanting and really compelling but it's not like the the writing line by line is is this is it ain't shakespeare i I know what you you mean but this is something i think about a lot it's pop art but i feel like pop art is a really difficult thing to do perfectly 
And when you do it perfectly, it's the most successful thing ever. And that's what has happened in this case. And no, that, I know. I mean, and that's I, what this, happened this with like all, the original trilogy is that it was just like perfect pop art. I don't know if it's perfect. I think I think J.J. Uh, Abrams ex- like uh, exceeded expectations, which were incredibly low based on the prequels. And it was just like, don't make it worse than the prequels, and I th- or make it slightly better. I don't. I know, I, well, they made it way better than the prequels. And yeah, no, I mean, people... like I'm someone like my expectations were incredibly high because I'm just so obsessed with Star Wars. And then the fact that I actually like love the movie enough that I've seen it three times and I want to see it a fourth, like really blows my mind. Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of people have said thing. I've heard a lot of people say that they think this movie is the best of all the Star Wars movies ever made. And I that's think, crazy talk. Well, it's crazy too, talk. It's too soon to say. No. It's a. Uh, you can say it now. It's 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 wrong. Um, it's, <laughs> it's wrong because because of this. Because like I was saying, there's there is this spectrum in which we think of movies as good or bad. But in Star Wars movies, that spectrum doesn't apply. There is this enchanting, kitschy, iconic experience that is the original Star Wars, and and that experience is defines the new spectrum that we judge these new movies by. Um, and so it's not about making the best movie ever, the best writing or the best cinematography, although those will be important elements. It's about like recreating a feeling and something that we all collectively felt in our own ways around those first Star Wars movies. And so they can never be better than any new one can ever be better than those original Star Wars. Cause the, the because that's it. Like, they define really what we're going for. Um, but they can be a hell of a lot better than prequels. <laughs> and this one certainly was, mm. you know? And even yeah. if this one... Like, this... I think... I know what people mean when they say that this might be the best one. It... First of all, I mean, it's got a few decades of, uh, you know, special effects technology. But, like, it looks incredible. I think the acting... I think the acting is probably the best in in this new in force awakens like this yeah. this is probably the best acting we've ever had in star wars i agree i think the writing is is on on the level i mean i think it's it's really really terrific but we just it's star wars we're judging things on a different right scale i think it's too soon to say if it's the best one because we're all still like so wrapped up in the excitement of the fact that it doesn't suck that to immediately jump to saying that it's the best one ever is a really big leap i feel like star wars movies like, my, my perception of them has changed so much over time. Like, when I was a kid, I thought Return of the Jedi was the best one, and now it's my least favorite of the originals, where it takes, like, a long time for these things to kind of sit and marinate. And, you know, Empire was my least favorite when I was a kid, and then the, I watched them all, like, a hundred times, and then completely changed my opinions on them. Like, it takes some time for, like, something that's this, like, big a part of pop culture to really settle and really find its place. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are now saying that, you know they want George Lucas back for the next one. And people are kind of reevaluating the prequels, which is to me, it's crazy, but it also reevaluate reevaluating the prequels in the sense that they're giving them another chance in terms yeah. of judgment. People are trying to find like brilliance in the prequels, but they're trying really hard. People are just so horny for another star Wars. They're like, Oh, fuck it. Let's go to the shitty ones. <laughs> well, as far as reevaluating the prequels, I heard a pipe dream thrown out there that after Disney sort of, you know, obviously purchased, the entire Star Wars universe and then sort of did away with much of the expanded or extended universe material and content that I've heard a few people just hoping that they'll throw away (laughs) the the prequels and uh, just decide that they are no longer canonical and then someday, you know, redo them. Obviously it would give them the opportunity to 
sell Star Wars tickets three that more times. That would be fucking incredible. That would be so great. I would be so happy to see like Anakin Skywalker turn dark in a way that actually resonated. That'd be exciting. All right, I have yet another special treat for you. Last night, I recorded a podcast with Graham Clem and Kayla Greet, the hosts of the Skillshot Pincast. It's a local Seattle podcast all about pinball, and it's fucking awesome. I'm a big fan. I met Graham at a party a little while back because uh, he was dressed as the dude from The Big Lebowski and a Jedi at the same time, and it was excellent. So we immediately hit it off. We realized we're both big Star Wars nerds. We realized we're both obsessed with pinball. We realized we both have podcasts. And from there, it was a no-brainer to do a, a crossover podcast episode. So we recorded it last night. It's excellent. It's going to be coming out within the next few weeks as well. You can see I have a lot of, of podcasts in the bag at this point. But of course, I had to ask him about The Force Awakens. So here is Graham Clem and Kayla Greet from the Seattle Skillshot Pincast talking about their thoughts on The Force Awakens. Graham and Kayla of the Skillshot Pincast, what do you think of The Force Sup? Awakens? <laughs> Um, first of all, I love that the fact that like two minorities in our situation or society in our, in our society well, that is our situation is the it society. Is too. Yeah, we're all in this America together, folks. Yeah. Are the the lead characters like a person of color and a woman? Whoa, yeah. top grossing film of all Thank time. You. What what Fuck what, yeah. what what? And for so long, like society told us, like no, you can't put those two characters in a movie; it won't sell. Like, right. I obviously wrong. So obviously much. wrong. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let me just get all the BS out of the way. Move <laughs> it. Yeah. No, no, all right. BS. So, BS. so you need so, to move. So what? Out of the way. So what? Spoiler alert. Episode seven, tremendously derivative of episode four. Guess what? If you think that you are busting it wide open by letting us know that it's tremendously derivative, Whoa. you are not enlightening anyone we all <laughs> saw star wars a new hope we're all familiar you are I'm not sorry. enlightening anyone we don't care we loved this movie for good reason because it was a damn good star wars movie and it's the star wars movie we've been aching for for ages Fuck yeah so get out of the way we are psyched and we can't wait for episode eight are you meaning to say that like BB-8 was like R2-D2? BB-8 was beyond R2-D2. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna put it wow. out there. BB-8 was BB-8 is the only person in the galaxy who can who can make R2-D2 seem boring. Did I adored BB-8. BB-8 was incredible. BB-8 was literally my favorite part of the movie. Sentient? You called him he. Well, okay, I actually okay. read an article about this where the designers originally thought of BB-8 as a female, but then on set they started referring to BB-8 as male, so now everyone call, calls him him. He. Okay, yeah. and also BB-8 was uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, if you can call it vocal, uh, you know, um, direction Bill, for Bill BB-8. Hader. Bill H Hader and Ben Schwartz. Did, like... Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz, yes. mad props. Who is you Ben Schwartz? I know Bill Hader. Ben Schwartz, uh, so did you watch Parks and Rec? Yes. Okay. Uh... Please tell me, tell me it's John Ralphio. <laughs> yes, John Ralphio. No John Ralphio. Yes. No, you're kidding. No, I'm not oh kidding at all. Oh my god, that's awesome. I'm not kidding at all. Also, listen to Comedy Bang Bang nonstop all the time. I please. heard him on a podcast with uh, uh, You Made It Weird with uh, what's his Pete name? Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes. Yeah. Yep. And yep, he yep, was yep. awesome. I. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Ben good. Schwartz is like 
not even like that amazing of a human being, but is a, he's a lovely human being. Like, uh, I would, I would, if I saw him, I would give him a big old hug. Like, or I, I wouldn't, Crowman. I wouldn't be starstruck, but I would love to death to just hang out with him because yeah. I think he's he's a, he's a lovely human being. And and that's beside the point. Like J.J. Abrams did a great job, like finding you know, the right so people too. to inform this kind of thing. Totally. Like. I you know what I I don't care I don't care I for the first fifteen minutes of Star Wars Episode Seven I had my right hand and I'm left handed by the your way pearls. I had <laughs> it, it's true I I had my right hand up around my chest slash neck region just like aghast like oh, the, the yeah. whole time just like soaking it in I haven't seen it a second time yet and I'm looking forward to doing so like yeah because you know what I've got all that like oh yes it's derivative. BS sure, sure. out of my system Who and I'm just cares? looking forward to reveling in a tremendously competent addition of the Star Wars universe in the cinematic format. I will I, say... I'm so appreciative as as a human being that was so invested in that universe. I'm so appreciative that a good movie was made to continue this the saga. Thank you. Thank yes, you. thank yes. you. Fuck yeah. Agreed. At the point on the bridge when Han died, yeah. it's like, I, I, at that point I was like, of course Han has to die. Yeah. yeah. Of course he has to die. Like, I, I was sad, yes, but when it happened, I was like, yeah, that storyline, yes. I love how comical um, Finn was. I have to say, opening sequence of the movie on Jakku, it's like, when, when blood became of that helmet. Yeah. I fucking lost my shit. Yeah. Like, could not handle it. I love like, that moment. <laughs> I have watched six Star Wars movies, and I have not seen blood. Yeah, yeah. that is... That's, that's a good it, point. It really Realize. jarred me. Yeah. Really jarred me. And it continued out throughout the film, where, like, Kylo Ren was bleeding actively onto the snow, which, by the way, he gets all his clothes at Hoth Topic. Hoth topic? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Follow emo Kylo Ren on I Twitter. Love, it's worth I it. love that. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Lonely Luke is also good. A lonely yeah. Luke. And, they had and, that battle the other day. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So worth it. But, like, it was almost this, like, theatrical play thing for all of Star Wars. Like, blood doesn't happen because yeah. it's for children and adults. Like, Harry Potter doesn't show bloodshed. Yeah, it was such a cool way to mark which stormtrooper it was, too, yes. that we're watching. Like, just from a visual storytelling point of view, it was a really effective, like, mechanism. They're yeah. human. There's yeah. blood there. Yeah. Holy shit. Ugh, mm -hmm. I love it. I, I've seen it three times. Can't wait to see it a fourth. I just, my, my work gave me two free movie tickets. I'm either going to see it with a friend or twice by myself. <laughs> you should do it twice by yourself. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, 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 I'm stoked. I, 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 I want to give a, a big old wag of the finger to anybody <laughs> who, who thinks that they are somehow enlightening the rest of us by pointing out the derivative nature of episode seven. <laughs> Guess what? We all got it. We don't care. It was a good Star Wars movie, and you can just sit down and deal with it. <laughs> I fucking love those guys. They're so awesome. We had such a great night. We went out and played pinball first and then came back here and, and recorded for about three hours. Uh, and I can't wait to bring that to you. I'm not sure what the order is going to be of when I release these podcasts that I have recorded. But I can guarantee that I will release them in an order. For sure. 
Speaking of Kayla Greet, the night that I met Kayla was at Audrey's holiday party where I performed a couple songs. And Kayla and I had been chatting online because Graham and I had met and we were talking about doing this podcast recording. And we finally had the opportunity to meet in person. And it was super great. She's just such a cool person. And yesterday was her birthday. So happy birthday, Kayla. But at that show, I performed a couple sci-fi songs on harmonium, uh, the instrument that I played Oh Susanna on last week, harmonium with drum machine. Drum machine not plugged into anything because I have this cool little drum machine, the Volca series that has a little speaker on it. So I just plop the drum machine right on top of the harmonium and played a couple songs. It was super fun. I got a recording of it because uh, it was at Johnny Unicorn's house. John and Audrey and Naomi, all, all my guests all live together. Uh, so John got a recording of this for me that I could share with you on this episode. So that's going to be the end of the episode is this recording of me playing Elliot at Audrey's holiday show. And this was, uh, this was quite a journey. We went all over the place in this episode. Never done anything like this before on the show. But obviously a lot of great stuff coming up soon. Make sure you check out jessemercury.com. The last episode of Sci-Fi on Trial has come out, so if you want to find out the verdict for whether or not The Phantom Menace was remembered fairly, you can find that on my website, or you can head straight to scifiontrial.com to hear that episode, and it's great. You're going to love it. Okay, so here's my performance of Elliot. I'll see you next week. So uh, Up next, we have a traveler from another galaxy. He stopped into my show specifically. That's the only reason he's on this planet to begin with. So, you know, you guys are like at a pretty special show. It's a pretty big deal. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jesse Mercury. popular belief, I am from this galaxy. I'm just from the future. I'm from the year 3000. Oh, you're from the galaxy. It's okay. It's a common mistake. Um, so I got stuck. I got stuck in this time a few years back. I was time traveling without my wallet, and then I couldn't get home. So that was kind of a bummer. But uh, it's okay. It's okay. There's a lot of fun things to do here. So in the future, nobody plays acoustic guitars because they're sick of them. So everybody. <laughs> Everybody plays uh, harmonium and drum machine. So this is a little taste of the future for you. This is very unoriginal for where I come from, but here, I was like, that's really cool, that's exciting. Uh, So I'm gonna play you a couple songs. This song is about something that I experienced a few years ago. Uh, They made a movie out of this. When I first got to your time, (laughs) when I first got to your time, I had no money. I, I didn't have my wallet, obviously. And my money was no good here, so I sold a whole bunch of my journeys to a Hollywood guy and he made some movies out of them so you might recognize some of these stories but this this is all stuff that happened to me originally Uh, so it's a song about this time where I came to earth and I met this really amazing young little boy not not a creepy way Uh, Elliot (laughs) so we we became really close friends we didn't speak the same language because it took me a little bit to learn your English it's changed quite a bit in in the year 3000 Uh, but yeah, he kind of showed me around. Really, really nice kid. So I wrote this song about our special relationship. Not, not in a creepy way. <laughs> it came in the night, spaceship flight to this world we're a 
curious kind I don't wanna fight, hide from sight Could not mean to be left behind Traveled far, seen the stars Such a friend is where to find Seems strange, would not change your mind. Love, you're my guardian. Though I must leave, believe in this world, you're my greatest friend. Yeah.